Hello and welcome back to another brilliant episode of You Heard It Here First, the show that helps you discover the best that Audible has to offer. I'm your host, Imriel Morgan. In today's episode, we are living for old Hollywood glamour, which has us reaching for the champagne to toast to the good life. Before we meet the daring septuagenarians who are defying all of society's expectations of them. Let's crack on with the show. To get things going, we have a couple of reviews from you. As you know, it brings me joy to see what audiobooks you've been loving. So let's see what's got you talking. This week, I've chosen Bob Mortimer's autobiography, And Away. First up, we have Donkeytron, who left this heartwarming five-star review. Heart Healthy. A lovely glimpse into the life and times of Bob Mortimer. This is a book that is funny, moving and whimsical. Bob talks openly about depression and his shyness, which he found socially crippling, in a refreshing, matter-of-fact way. We need to wrap Bob in cotton wool and take care of him. He's a national treasure. Ooh, I love it. Now we have another review from an anonymous user who gave it four stars. Ooh, what a guy. Absolutely brilliant. Read wonderfully well with real honesty and heart. It's hard to find fault, but I'd have loved another 30 minutes on shooting stars. But that's purely for my own self-indulgence. I'd have loved to hear more of Bob's stories too. Totally worth a listen for any of his fans for any of his shows. Enjoy. Thank you to Donkeytron and the anonymous user for those reviews. If you're looking for some anecdotes that are roll on the floor funny, you can find Bob Mortimer's autobiography and away on the Audible website now. Each week, we pick out different reviews from Audible to see what you've been loving. Remember to come back next episode as you might find one of your reviews featured here. Anyone fancy a trip to the classic Hollywood era? Well, we're doing just that with this week's featured new release, The Seven Husbands of Evelyn Hugo by Taylor Jenkins Reid, which has exploded on TikTok. Now, Taylor Jenkins Reid is the master behind the smash hit book, Daisy Jones and the Six, which is currently being adapted for TV on Amazon Prime. So I knew I was going to be in safe hands with this pick. The Seven Husbands of Evelyn Hugo is all about a fictional old Hollywood movie star, Evelyn Hugo, who decides at 79 that she's ready to spill the tea on her mysterious and scandalous life. Evelyn has developed a reputation for not giving much away, so interviews with her are highly coveted by entertainment journalists. Evelyn shocks the industry by granting unknown writer Monique Grant an exclusive interview, Except Evelyn isn't interested in doing an interview. Instead, she wants Monique to write her biography. Monique is stunned by this decision and frequently asks, why me? Which is just one of the many questions the book throws at you. There's no doubt that Evelyn is the focus of this story. I mean, her name is in the title. But Monique is a very dominant and compelling supporting character. We regularly get glimpses into Monique's inner thoughts and her inner world, which, to be honest, isn't doing too great. Her marriage of one year is a shambles and her professional life seems to have hit a wall, but she's determined to use this opportunity as a second wind. 
Now, I love a bit of drama and jeopardy in my fiction. Monique begins to peel the layers of Evelyn's life and she finds out everything that happened in this legend's life. Sitting in Evelyn's stunning apartment, we hear about how she made her way to Hollywood in the 50s, the abuse she experienced, the rumours and the slander she faced, and of course, we cannot forget about the seven husbands she's collected over the years. Let's have a listen. I grab my notebook and look at the scribbled words I've covered the last few pages with. There are dates, references to classic images of her, And then, in big letters that I went over and over with my pen, darkening each letter until I changed the texture of the page, I've written, Who was the love of Evelyn's life? That's the big question. That's the hook of this book. Seven husbands. Which one did she love the best? Which one was the real one? I look up at Evelyn to see her sitting up, ready for me. Who was the love of your life? Was it Harry Cameron? Evelyn thinks and then answers slowly, No, he was not the love of my life. Why not? Because that was someone else. The book is a brilliant tale of surprising friendships, forbidden love and true heartbreak with some huge twists thrown in that really catch you off guard. One plot twist comes about a quarter of the way through and it took the book to a whole new level. I was even more invested than I thought I could be and that's all I'll say on that. The book does an amazing job of transporting you to the glamorous and not so glamorous world of old Hollywood in the 50s. There are fabulous descriptions of richly coloured ball gowns, expensive wines and lavish film premieres. You can just see the money being thrown everywhere. Taylor Jenkins Reid did a wonderful job of capturing this decade. She included the fictional magazine Sub Rosa news clippings and headlines that documented Evelyn's life, friendships and marriages. They were brilliant and made the book feel more grounded and real. For example, the language used was so 50s in style, I loved it. The narrators Alma Cuervo, Julia Whelan and Robin Miles also did a brilliant job. Evelyn's voice had an air of grandeur to it. However, I thought it was a bit strange that there were two actors playing Evelyn as they both sounded quite similar. Evelyn is an enthralling character. She is not just a beautiful diva woman with a trail of husbands. She is multifaceted and fought tooth and nail to be seen as more than a pretty face. She is now ready to talk about the sorrow behind the glitz and glam, the divorces and the horrible things Hollywood pretends never happened. So sit back with a glass of bubbly and just enjoy listening to the drama of it all. You will not be disappointed. You can find The Seven Husbands of Evelyn Hugo by Taylor Jenkins Reid on Audible today. Now we've come to that time where I have a rummage through the Audible treasure box and I've picked an oldie but goodie, pun intended. I've been listening to the Audible original podcast, Growing Old Disgracefully. What a fantastic title. Miriam Margulies hosts this six-part series where she speaks to remarkable seniors breaking taboos and ripping up the rulebook when it comes to getting older. All the guests are doing extraordinary work and daring activities which all began in their older age. 
So, if you're not familiar with Miriam Margulies, she is best known for her roles in Call the Midwife, The Age of Innocence, and she played Professor Sprout in Harry Potter. Miriam is the perfect host for this show. She is excellent at making her guests feel comfortable and safe to share their stories, with the occasional question or commentary thrown in by her. She comes across as both genuine and warm, and you can tell she admires her guests, which makes for a lovely listen. Now I bet you're wondering who some of these greying legends are. We hear from a mature dominatrix, a gamer granny, and a gay country music pioneer in their 70s. These are not the type of people who are sat by a fire in their slippers. They are remarkable people doing wild things. Like 70-something Graham Walters who does daredevil stunts like crossing the Atlantic on his own in a rowboat covering over 3,000 miles. And others doing devilishly naughty things like Sherry Lever, who in her early years devoted her life to a man and after her divorce is now believed to be the world's oldest dominatrix. Let's have a listen. Clothing hung and thoroughly enjoying himself as he did it, Sherry's first slave, Marcus, eventually decided a change of outfit was in order. He headed upstairs and came back down, dressed in a see-through red baby doll dress with a matching red thong and a little blonde bob wig. Well, he started cleaning in the kitchen and by this time it was, I can't remember what time it was, and I just said, look, I'm going to bed. He was up till gone three o'clock cleaning. I tell you what, when I came down, my kitchen had never looked so clean. And he paid me £250, but uh, I thought, bloody hell, I've had a meal, I've had all my work done and I've been paid. I want more of this. And, uh, and, and there was no looking back then. Aren't they brilliant? Sherry even has a book out called From Misses to Dominatrix, and I'm tempted to give it a read. The podcast is a universal listen and shows us that it's never too late to change your career, relationship or life. But my main takeaway is that not all older people lead boring lives that aren't worthy of being documented. Quite the opposite, in fact, as evidenced here. Maybe you already knew that and are one of those people making the most of every moment. Anyway, I'll be recommending this podcast to a few people, including my grandparents, and who knows, maybe I'll find out if they've got any exciting tricks up their sleeves too. So that's Growing Old Disgracefully by Miriam Margulies. You can find it on Audible today. Next up are two iconic guests who want to recommend a listen that will brighten your week. First up is Audible editor Bryony Cullen. Hi, Bryony. Welcome back to the podcast. Can you briefly remind us what you do at Audible? Hi, thank you so much for having me again. Yes, so my name's Bryony and I work in the content marketing team at Audible. Lovely. What have you chosen for us today? Who's it by? What's it about? Tell me everything. So I went on holiday a couple of weeks ago and tore through a load of books. But the one that I've chosen to talk about is one called Small Pleasures by Claire Chambers. And I chose this one because I'm always looking at 
who's been longlisted for the Women's Prize for Fiction. Oh, nice. So I, I went into this one not really expecting much. I'd kind of downloaded it, hadn't really read the summary, just thought it's been longlisted. I'm sure it's great. And I really, really enjoyed reading it. It's set in the, the late 50s in the UK and it focuses in on a journalist called Jean who works for her local paper. And one day they get a letter in from someone that claims that she's had a, a virgin birth. And as the only woman working at the paper, Jean <laughs> is assigned. And it kind of goes from there, really. You see Jean develop this relationship with the family called the Tilburys and the meeting of, of her and the family bring each other lots of unexpected joy and more kind of purpose, I suppose, in their lives. So it's a really, really lovely story, actually, of how their fairly mundane lives are kind of brightened by this interaction between the two of them. Yeah, I really have been enjoying this. It is such a kind of gentle start and it's almost like a slow build-up but it's actually very mm. intriguing and I think the virgin birth is this like plot point that on the surface just sounds like it'd be completely ridiculous but <laughs> yeah. but ha somehow it's almost like there's all these other things happening in and around their lives that makes it it's ordinary but also still intriguing and mysterious but it's just quite nice to see Jean come out of a shell a bit and so it, it is a really nice story I've really enjoyed it what did you love about it it's set in the late 50s but written last year so there's a really interesting very subtle take on the views at the time of relationships so Jean is seen as a spinster even though she's only 39 and I think pitied actually by a lot of the other characters in the story and you kind of look at her life compared to this marriage of a couple that she's introduced through the story, the Tilburys, who on the surface, they're married, you know, they're living a very respectable life, but it's not all as rosy as it seems. So there's a very interesting look at the relationships between the characters and and views on romance and marriage and women's status at the time and how they're related to the two of those. So I thought that was a really nice theme that is thread throughout the story. And there's a few kind of twists and turns related to that as you go through. How intriguing. With this book set in the 50s, do you think it would only appeal to people from an older generation? Or do you think it actually has an appeal for a much wider and broader audience? I really enjoyed this. And I also recommended it to my gran who's in oh, really <laughs> yeah <laughs> who absolutely loves reading I feel like it has a really broad appeal actually as a story and I think because of the gentle nature it is something that I would feel very happy recommending to my grandmother but also really enjoyed reading myself whereas I know a lot of the other things I might have read she, she probably wouldn't approve of but I feel like this has real universal appeal mm -hmm. Was there a standout moment in the book, something that, you know, had you hooked or something that just made you stop what you were doing? Just to give it a bit of a hint, I suppose, as to what did did stand out for me, alongside this kind of relationship that's developing between Jean and the Tilburys, there is this investigation that she's managing, looking at the virgin birth claim of the mother. And so we kind of follow her along that journey. And there's a few moments in that that 
make you stop and, and think and you're kind of working with her to work out what exactly happened. Great. Let's go to a clip of when Jean first discovers Gretchen's letter. The next editorial meeting was livelier than it had been for some time. Jean Swinney, features editor and the only woman at the table, glanced at the letter as it was passed around. Does anyone want to go and interview Our Lady of Sidcup? asked Larry, the news editor. Not really my thing, said Bill, sports and entertainment editor. Jean slowly extended her hand to take the letter. She knew it was coming her way sooner or later. Well, clearly this is the sort of interview that is going to require some tact, said Roy. So obviously it's going to have to be you, Jean. Around the table, heads nodded. No one was going to fight her for this story. What are your thoughts on the narrator Karen Cass as she had to narrate a lot of different voices for this? Do you think she did a good job? I think she did. She really reflects, I guess, the the gentle nature of the story that we've spoken about in her narration and the different voices she does are very subtle and in keeping with the story. I really love that scene just as a bit of an insight into what Jean's working life is like, being the only woman at the paper. And she normally is given articles to write about cooking and cleaning and household tips. So there's a lot of gender stereotypes that are being unpacked. Yeah. One thing I really liked at the end of each chapter, I think, they have these like little tiny like tips, (laughs) just these cleaning tips, which I imagine must come from like Jean's stories of using like lemon peel or something if your nails are dirty. Um, And I was like, I need to go back to the end of each chapter and listen to these again, Um, because some of them seem really useful, actually. (laughs) I was like, this is genius. I I should have written this down. (laughs) Finally, why should people listen to this book? I think people should listen to this book if they're looking for something that's surprising and something that it takes you on a slow journey throughout the story and build your expectations as you go. So I think if you're looking for something that I know a lot of books I read at the moment, you know, they're full of awful stories between men and women and a lot of trauma, actually, Mm -hmm. and a lot of things that you're listening. I, I personally am listening to at the moment. So I found that this was a really nice escape for that. And I think something that can be enjoyed by so many different people, actually. So something that you could have a conversation with your mum about, your best friend about, any member of your family, really. Lovely. Thank you so much, Bryony. Thank you. Small Pleasures by Claire Chambers was Bryony's pick this week. You can find it on Audible. And looking to top that with their pick is special guest Sunday Times best-selling thriller writer Claire McIntosh. Hi, Claire. Welcome to the podcast. Can you briefly tell us who you are and what you do? Hi, thanks for having me. I'm Claire McIntosh and I am a a crime writer. I write psychological thrillers. Amazing. Can you tell us what book you've chosen for us today? Sure. I've chosen Three Hours by Rosamond Lupton, which I adored. It's about a school siege, about a shooting in a school, but it is so much more than that. It's one of the few thrillers I've ever read that has real emotional heart. And when I listened to it, I actually got to the end of the book and I had to pull over. I was driving and just listened to the last couple of chapters without distractions. It was so amazing. Oh, wow. 
That's incredible. Uh, school shooting is a pretty big subject. Um, whereabouts yeah. is it based? Like, why, why would people jump into that, I suppose? I know, I know. I mean, there's so much to sort of talk about with this book. It, I think the setting makes a huge difference. Rosamond writes mm-hmm. in a, uh, an incredibly atmospheric way. And this particular school, it's set in a wood. So you've got these school buildings there. There's distance between each one and it's snowing. So it's very, very atmospheric from from the outset. And you've got students needing to move from one building to another, being quite isolated from their teachers, not knowing what's happening in other parts of the school. So the setup is very, very sort of threatening, I suppose, from the outset. But what she does so brilliantly is she sets the scene uh, perfectly so that you really feel as though you're there. Yeah, I found that quite early on, the new school building, the old school building. And I'm like, wait, hang on a second. My school was a bit like that. It was very bitty. So I found myself immediately quite placed of, oh, actually, the transfer. How would I have to navigate the school in the event something like that happens? And it's very terrifying, isn't it? And there's that interesting mix as well of ages uh, you know, within a, a secondary school. And that I found particularly engaging in this because you could see how some of the older kids really have to sort of step up. And there are some incredible characters within those school kids, particularly a refugee boy who has a pivotal role to play. I was going to say who your standout character was, actually. So Rafi is the older brother of two boys who have come across from Syria. And what's really poignant in this book is that you know that the school community have taken these two lads to their heart until something goes wrong. And then what you have is the worst of humanity. You have the assumptions and the stereotypes and the blaming and the bigotry. And I found those bits incredibly hard to listen to because they're so horribly true to life. Yeah, that sounds awful. And like you said, it is kind of the worst in humanity to jump on, I guess, what arguably would be still the most vulnerable person who's probably escaped something that times way more in order to be there. So Rosamond said she was only going to write the book from the head teacher's perspective initially, actually. However, it wasn't quite working. Did you like that there were multiple perspectives and storylines in this? Absolutely. I can see how it would have been a completely different book. I think we needed to hear from other voices. And I think, you know, going back to what... I was saying about sort of the worst of humanity and people's reactions that actually it would have been awful to have only heard Rafi's story from other people. Was there a standout moment in the book for you that immediately kind of had you hooked in? So that I think that's so hard because there are so many standout moments. Seems really lazy to have gone for this. I'm, it's, it was the opening of the book because the imagery in those opening lines are both shocking and emotional. And I defy anyone to switch that book off once they've heard those opening lines. Amazing. Let's hear a clip. 9.16am. A moment of stillness. As if time itself is waiting. Can no longer be measured. Then the subtle press of a fingertip. Whirled skin against cool metal starts it beating again, and the bullet moves faster than sound. It smashes the glass case on the wall by the headmaster's head, which displays medals for gallantry 
awarded in the last World War to boys barely out of the sixth form. Their medals turn into shrapnel, hitting the headmaster's soft brown hair, breaking the arm of his glasses, piercing through the bone that protects the part of him that thinks, loves, dreams and fears, as if pieces of metal are travelling through the who of him and the why of him. It was so vivid and the talk of the shrapnel and the headmaster's final thoughts is just shocking. It is one hell of an opening. We've had some pretty good openings on the show, but that, that's probably going to go right up there in some, a strong opening of a book, isn't it? It is such a strong opening. And I think what I loved about it is immediately you've, you've got questions. You know, obviously, who's the shooter? Where are they? Where are the kids? Who's looking after them? So there's lots of plot related questions you've got. I love that. Let's talk about your latest book, Hostage, which is a best-selling thriller and also plays with the idea of time. Can you tell us a little bit more about it? Hostage is a a locked room thriller that's set on a long-haul flight. So it's a 20-hour flight from London to Sydney. Obviously, once you're on that plane, you're not getting off until the end. (laughs) And as the title suggests, there is a a threat. I guess there are some really strong parallels, actually, with, with Rosamond's story. Again, it's a very confined location. There's a defined cast of characters. They're all from different backgrounds, which is something that mm-hmm. I I was really drawn to. I, I've always wanted to write a locked room mystery or thriller. And there are certain environments where the people that you meet are very much of the same type. You know, if you go to a particular restaurant or a shop, um, you, you tend to find similar sorts of people. But on an aeroplane, people are travelling for all different reasons. They have different financial situations, different social backgrounds, different values. And yet they're all in exactly the same situation. They're thrown together. And the idea of writing something in that situation, it just felt like very rich territory for a, a crime writer. Sounds brilliant. I can't wait to give that a listen. So finally, just to go back to three hours, why should people listen to this If I had to pick one reason, I would say that there are social issues in this book that are very, very real, very present, and we all need to be thinking more about. And I think Three Hours does that whilst also entertaining. Thank you so much, Claire. That was brilliant. Thank you for having me. You can find Three Hours by Rosamond Lupton on Audible, along with Claire McIntosh's latest book, Hostage. Now we've come to the part of the show where we get to hear from our glamorous co-stars, Audible Sessions, where Audible invites some of your favourite authors to talk about their new releases. And this week, I've chosen a clip from Robert Peston's Audible Session. Robert Peston is a British journalist, presenter and host of the weekly political discussion show, Peston. Holly Newson talks to Robert about his first endeavour writing a fiction book, The World of Politics Now in 2021, and what parts of the novel were inspired by his own life. Let's have a listen. Now, if I look at my team that makes my Wednesday night show, I think I'm, you know, in a team of 20 or so, I'm probably the only white male, which is brilliant. But it's just startlingly different from, you know, where we were when I started in my career. Again, if I think back to the female colleagues who were working in the 80s and 90s. I mean, they 
basically say that in the 80s and 90s, they just had to put up with the most appalling sexual harassment. You know, I remember talking to one very senior person at BBC who said very early on in her career, she was literally just, some boss just sort of threw her on a sofa. I mean, it's an incredibly good thing that that kind of behaviour is simply not tolerated anymore. Oh gosh, that's horrible. Um, Obviously I knew that things were terrible for women in the 90s and even before then, but there's nothing like hearing that in today's world, knowing what I know now, and that's still such a horrifying thing to hear. But I'm really glad to hear that Robert has been an ally in this and has kind of moved forward and actually created an environment for himself which is actually surrounded by women where he respects and loves the work that they're doing. You can get more from Robert by downloading his full Audible session for free on the Audible website, where you can also find his latest book, Whistleblower. And finally, it's time for our listeners' corner, which means I get to hear from one of you about a book, podcast or drama you're loving. Blessed be the fruit for this week's recommendation from Courtney. Let's hear what she's picked. Hi, I'm Courtney Morton and I'm going to be reviewing The Handmaid's Tale by Margaret Atwood. I was initially drawn in with her spectacular wordplay and impeccable visual language, but later learning that this novel is inspired by religious and political history makes for an even more shocking read. It is a reminder of the darkest parts of our own world history that are often set aside. This story details horrific abuse and torture, pointing out the degradation of women and that such abuse is taking place or has already occurred in many countries around the world. I couldn't recommend a novel higher. I became entirely absorbed in the world Atwood created and emotionally gripped by the way the story unfolds. Thank you, Courtney. What a great pick. I actually love The Handmaid's Tale and it's even better on TV. As a thank you, we're sending you two credits to download anything you like from the Audible website or app. You can find Courtney's recommendation, The Handmaid's Tale by Margaret Atwood on Audible now. And for your chance to win some credits, why not send us a review too? Just send us a short message telling us about your favourite listen and you might get featured here. Record a voice note on your phone or send us your thoughts and I'll read them out. Email your reviews or voice notes to us at yhihf at audible.co.uk or tweet us at yhihfpod. But don't forget, keep your reviews spoiler free. And sadly, that's all for this week's You Heard It Here First. In case you missed any of the titles we recommended today, here they are again. And Away by Bob Mortimer. The Seven Husbands of Evelyn Hugo by Taylor Jenkins Reid. Audible original podcast Growing Old Disgracefully by Miriam Margulies. Small Pleasures by Claire Chambers. Three Hours by Rosamund Lupton. Hostage by Claire McIntosh. Robert Peston's Audible Session. The Handmaid's Tale by Margaret Atwood. Remember to catch up with us in between shows on social media. Let us know what you've been listening to and tag at YHIHFpod on Instagram and Twitter. And while you're there, give us a follow too. You've been listening to You Heard It Here First, an Audible original produced by Content Is Queen. Presented by me, Imriel Morgan. Additional voices by Richard Hudson and Lazara Morgan. And featuring Bryony Cullen and Claire McIntosh. It was produced by Amber Miller and Ellie Clifford. Original music was by Seth Bradford. For Audible, the executive producer was Holly Newson. The production executive was Hayley Nathan. And the commissioning editor was Kent DePinto. Hold up. 